0: Hey, folks! It's Marvin Cash, the host of the Articulate Fly. And we're back with another casting angles with Mac Brown. How you doing, Mac? I'm doing great, Marvin. How are you? As always, I'm just trying to stay out of trouble. And uh, from what I hear, dry fly fishing is on fire in your neck of the
1: woods. It's been good. It's been good with hatches, pretty consistent the past couple of weeks, and um, we're really looking forward to the, the progressive hatches that are coming on, but we've, we've had a lot of compound hatches going on and like seven, eight things going on at once.
0: Yeah, and I would imagine, too, you're probably starting to get a little dry up in the park, right?
1: Yeah, we had a good rain. Uh, we we kind of got missed by the one Friday they, they were claiming it was going to dump all this rain, and it really didn't, but we had a good rain like the other night. In the morning, it's, it's just the air is pretty dry right now. And I think they're calling for another rain tomorrow, which would be good. The water levels are all pretty good shape right now in the park and also on the Tuckasegee.
0: Yeah. And so if folks wanted to get out and do a little dry fly fishing, what would you suggest?
1: Just just like elk cares there's a lot of caddis going on. There's small elk cares, our CDC, you know, caddis flies. Uh, parachutes would be good. Some of the Catskill flies would still work really well. And I, I, it's really just any of those would work fine, like especially toward evening because the thing you see a lot up here is most of the people will run early in the morning and be done by like one or two o'clock and the really good hatches are going on in the evening, like later in the days when you're seeing them, like three three o'clock to dark. Yeah, so that's the, that's the magic bullet to go out late.
0: Yeah, I always think about like say six o'clock until dark a little bit later on in the summer. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Yeah, that's my favorite time is that low light right in the evening.
0: Yeah, it's funny because, you know, you do that in Montana and, like, you're getting off the water and it's starting to get dark and you look and there are dimples everywhere in the water and you're like, where were these guys when I was fishing?
1: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that same thing goes on up here. And uh, especially right at right at the last, you know, 20, 30 minutes of daylight. And it's also good pulling wets up high that time of day. You know, you can do really well with the wet fly stuff, you know, pulling wets in, in the evening. Yeah. And um, we do that a lot too, off of floating lines, and that that tends to work really well, especially when you see lots of dimples.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting too because we were t- we were trying to figure out what we wanted to talk about this time, and we s- figured that we were talking about casting practice with intention, rigging with intention, and we thought this time we would talk about fishing with intention.
1: Yeah, I think that would be a good, a really good topic. You know, that, that just I think that's why so many people get guides when they come up here, is is you know, There's not really an intention or a, a flow chart of process involved, and, and the guide does the process for them, and then they a lot of them will ask why we're doing what we're doing, and I'm thinking, I don't know. I've always thought people want to get to the point where they want to fish on their own, and uh, that's just the way that I kind of think about it, but sometimes that's not the case, but so I thought process would be a good topic.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I mean, I guess when I think about it, I mean to kind of start off, I always kind of ask, you know, three questions, right? What are, What are the trout doing? What's the food doing? And what should I be doing, right? Um, and then that right. that's kind of the jumping off place to
1: attack in the water. Yeah, just being diverse, I think, is a big part of that. You know, the process as far as the angler. Um, a lot of times, it's easy to, you know, the old the old movie, Buckaroo Banzai. Just remember, wherever you go, there you are. The same thing in fishing. People start out, and I think a lot of times they do the same thing over and over and over in repetition. And I don't think I don't think that really is much of a process, you know. So I think everything we do has has a planned intent and why we change, and we don't really do things over and over without changing every every time, you know. When you look at water and say there's a fish there, then we might throw forecast in that same spot four different ways you know so i just think that's the process that we're talking about kind of
0: yeah and so i mean i guess to kind of help people right you know as a general rule if you're fishing upstream you're going to want to fish kind of uh close to far and back to front right
1: yeah yeah i think that's it and and, and spend all your time i mean the time management <clears throat> i think huge too and that's in the process of Fish the fish the likely. You know, my grandfather used to say a lot, more than when I was a kid, that 90% of the fish held in 10% of the water. And the older I get, the more and more I think that's pretty true. I really believe it's true. When you have depressions and you have these, the kitchen zones and you have all these different locations where trout move, when they're there, I mean, they do move, like from ABC water type. But when they're in that water type, I think the 90% are in that 10%. And I think that's what we're trying to figure out every time we go.
0: Yeah. And and I guess to kind of help people visualize that, if you think about like laying a grid across the water um, with lines that are basically uh, parallel to the current, close to far away from you, what we're saying is basically decide how many times you want to drift through a particular line based on kind of what your informed intuition is about how, how likely it is the trout are there.
1: That's right. So, yeah, another way to think of it in the time management is if it's the 10% of the water, we're probably not going to pepper that many casts in there to begin with. But if we do, it'll probably just be a few. You know what I mean? Just, to, just for sake of, of knowing that that water types out. But usually when you're doing the right thing on the water this time of year, you'll get a result. Like you'll get a result on that very drift. And so I think that just that statement is powerful to help people jump through this progression, you know, instead of going over and over and over in the same area.
0: Yeah, and I think, too, you know, you and I were talking about this earlier today, the benefit of fishing, like, I wouldn't go so far as to say only fish one piece of water, um, but the benefit of repeatedly fishing the same water across different seasons.
1: I think that's huge, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what kind of up here over the years with there's certain watersheds that i'm really fond of and i just think that you still learn things 10 20 30 years later off the same water type by fishing it all through those different seasons and you also learn to know it really well which which is also good but you still learn things is is what i'm saying after after several decades going on the same water you know you might get surprised <laughs> surprised at times that, that that fish lay at a certain area that you've overlooked maybe at certain times of the season
0: yeah it's interesting too cuz i was just back home in virginia fishing and fishing you know water that i haven't fished in a thousand years and you know back to that point you know you go through and you fish it and then you basically are like oh i didn't realize that that uh pool was as deep as it was or whatever it was and you'd sit there and say oh, i would go if i came back i would fish it differently the next time
1: Right, yeah, that's right, and and also with the seasons like like you're saying with uh like we've been on this pattern for a while, like in the fall of having droughts up here. that's kind of been a theme the last decade or more. And so to, to fish the same water type even at much lower water levels versus the springtime, usually you have you know bigger water levels coming out of winter. And just that difference totally changes that ABC water type, you know, so even though you're on the same water, you add a couple of feet of water flow in there and it's an entirely different, you know, holding spots where where the fish go. And I just think all that is at place. So I've heard a lot of people say fish, you know, multiple water types. I think when I think it's better, that might be a better strategy for somebody that's that's pretty accomplished, is what I'm saying. I don't think that's good advice for, for people that are in the learning mode.
0: Yeah, but I guess, you know, the goal for the learning mode, right, is to become kind of a more complete angler with the goal of being able to then progress to go fish anywhere and be successful, right?
1: That's right, because that process, yeah, once that process gets honed and developed, I think then they can go, you know, absolutely anywhere and and implement it. And it's usually the, the, the big changes when we do these things. And let's say you've already hit ABC water type and you're still struck out. You know, so then we need a drastic change, and this is one of the things I see a lot up here this time of year with with folks on the water, and they they still want to stay. Like, let's say they're let's say they're trying to fish the boundary layer on the bottom, and they're just sitting there playing the nymph game and in changing and changing and changing. I don't think fish are that picky. <laughs> it's like if you've already played the boundary layer game, you need a drastic change. You need to put a dry fly on. I mean, you need to totally change. Tactics, not sit there and put twenty other nymphs on in the same spot. So I think that's usually a recipe for disaster. Just think that that that's that's kind of what I mean about these big changes. And then the other the other change that would be right up there with that would be to see if they want you know action and pull pull some wets. I mean, I look at drastic changes like when I'm guiding. Like if we take off and we nymph for thirty minutes and you know we hadn't picked up anything, usually I I probably wouldn't wait thirty minutes, but I might give it ten. But the next change up is going to be straight to a wet fly and then maybe straight to a dry. But we're going to have to sit there and do drastic changes is what I'm trying to say. I'm not sitting there changing nymph after nymph. Right. I don't usually think that's the answer.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of that too gets, you know, you think about it as the day progresses, like cool in the morning, probably not hatch activity, start on the bottom, but understand that the bugs are going to start to move up the column. So, you know, at a dropper six to eight inches up, or if you got a fishing buddy, Fish a different rig and try to dial it in that way.
1: Oh yeah, that's always that's always fun. Well, you got some other intel there with you, and as long as you both try to stay different, you know, usually that's a better recipe for cracking that code quicker.
0: Yeah, let your buddy fish the rooster tail, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that'll <laughs> tell you if they're chasing, won't it? <laughs> there you go. Uh, and you know, folks, we love questions, and so if you have something that you want Mac and I to cover. Hit up either of us, uh, DM us on Instagram, or shoot me an email. We'd love to talk about it. And, uh, you know, Mac, I know you are, you know, in addition to doing the guiding stuff, you probably got some school stuff going on. You want to kind of let folks know, you know, how to catch up with you uh, for guide days, upcoming schools, and all that kind of good stuff?
1: Yeah, sure. The, the, the easiest way is uh, Facebook or Instagram at either Fly Fishing Guide School. They can message me on that or Mac Brown Flyfish on the social media or on URLs for either one of those. And yeah, there's still a lot of casting schools and guide schools coming up. And we're still looking forward to trying to get up there to the Driftless in early June. And for the people in the Midwest, uh, that might be something they're interested in, Western Wisconsin. And yeah, there's it, a lot of a lot of things in the plans right now.
0: Yeah, that school in June will be interesting because I think, you know, from talking to Jason and kind of to, to what we've been talking about earlier, learning to fish smaller technical water will help you learn to scale and fish bigger water because you just break it down into small pieces.
1: That's right. And I think the approaches in that part of the country tend to be, you know, highly. I I think it's fantastic because it's technical approaches. And I think the the approach to that water type is huge because it's mostly spring creeks and, you know, limestone water. And you have to be Really aware of where you put the sun in your position, how you approach it, how long does it take to approach it? I mean, it was a blast at at Jason's cabin when we were up there this winter. He, he, I had some intel. He told me. He says, "See that?" You know, he told me the tree to go to, and he said, "There's a nice pool right there." And when I got out there, it took took me close to 15 minutes, Marvin, to approach to make my first cast. And it was a bow and arrow cast. Didn't do any movement, but I walked up it took me literally 15 minutes to get to the water and then i could sight fish the best fish in the pool and that's the fish that i caught there's about 30 brown trout in that pool and it was really fun because i mean we don't have to do that in pocket water here in appalachia we don't spend 15 minutes to walk to the creek you know yeah so i really enjoyed the approaches up there
0: yeah that's neat and i'll drop uh you know links to all that stuff in the show notes and you know, folks. Before it gets super hot this summer, you owe it to yourself to get out there and catch a few. Tight lines, everybody. Tight lines, Mac.
1: Tight lines, Marvin. Thanks for having me.